So I observe of us, myself included, that we have a lot of throwaway terms in our language, right? Uh, one of which is the term awesome. We describe everything as awesome, right? It's like, man, this pizza was awesome. And then you go to like the Grand Canyon, you're like, this is awesome. And you're like, okay, so pizza and a canyon that God carved with his finger. So cool. They're both awesome. But we've, we've like in our, in our expression of terms like awesome or that's incredible, right? Like I, I do this all the time. I, I overstate things all the time, right? It's like, oh, I had this burrito and it's incredible. Like it wasn't that incredible. Like it was just a burrito. But I overstate things. And when we do that, when we say terms like that and we, we just muddy the water, we actually cheapen the terms, Right? Those terms actually become valueless and stuff that's awesome really isn't so awesome. So we just are just saying that's awesome. Right? We even say it for negative stuff like awesome. It's awesome. So we just cheapen the terms the more that we say them. And the reason I tell you that is because I think the word faith has become that in so many ways for us as Christians. It's like, oh, you just got to have faith. Oh, I'm relying on my faith. Oh, I, I just have, I have faith in God. Like people that you know that you would not classify as Christians. Like, oh, I've got faith in God. And you're like, I, I don't even know what that means anymore. And so what I want to do tonight, specifically, but over the next few weeks, is we're going to jump into this series called Father Abraham. We're going to look at the life of Abraham, not in every instance in the scriptures, but through some highlighted moments in Genesis, through this Man's life, this man that the Bible celebrates as a hero of faith. And specifically tonight that we're going to look at what it looks like to live by faith. So you're in Genesis chapter 12, but I'm actually going to read Hebrews chapter 11. I'm actually going to read Hebrews chapter 11, 8 through 10. It's going to be on the screen. You can follow along with me. Don't panic if you're like, I have to be in the Bible. You stay in Genesis 12. I'll read Hebrews 11 verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So we're going to look at this man's life. This man, Abraham, that Hebrews chapter 11 celebrates as a hero of the faith. That really, it gives us a commentary of what we're actually about to read. It kind of spells out what's really going on. What is happening in Abraham. So we're just going to jump into Genesis chapter 12 and move through it by answering a handful of questions. When it comes to learning about living a life of faith by the example of Abraham, the first question that we're going to ask is this, is, who does God use? What kind of people does God use when it comes to living this life of faith? The first thing we find actually back up in Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 27. So jump up just a little bit. Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was 
Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now for us, we read that and you're like, nah, I got nothing. Here's what it proves to me. When it comes to answering this question, who does God use? The first thing we find is God just uses ordinary people. Because we're, we're, Abraham is found as an ordinary man amongst people that God is spelling out here in the 11th chapter of Genesis. He's just an ordinary guy. You see, so often what we can do when we read the Bible and we read like, man, Abraham, he had such great faith. Like the Bible celebrates him as a hero of faith. What we can do is think like, well, he was like, yeah, he was a dude, but he was like a Bible dude. So he's got like kind of some superpowers to do his own thing. And like, like he's, he's more than a dude, but he's not like God because that would be weird if that was in the Bible. So we just like, we, we fantasize what these characters in the Bible are like. But the reality is, is they're just men. They're just women. And we'll see later in this series that Abraham blows it. He's just an ordinary guy. And here's what that proves to us. That if God uses ordinary people, what's really going on is, is this story has way more to do with God than it has to do with Abraham. So we need to grab onto that. As we move through this series, and really what's true for us, this story about Abraham has way more to do with God than it does with Abraham. And for that matter, in your life. When God uses you, it has way more to do with God than it has to do with you. We're living in God's story. And we would be, we would be, it would be really helpful for us to be reminded that when we approach the Bible, this is God's story. This is about what God is doing. The account that we're going to read about Abraham tonight is really about God. And God using ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. The second thing we find out about who God uses, ordinary people for sure. The second thing is this, is he uses imperfect people, imperfect people. You see, we don't actually get to see this in Genesis 12 verse 1, but we get to see Joshua actually talk about it in Joshua chapter 24. As Joshua is giving this final speech to the people, he says this in verse 2 and 3. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. You got to catch it. It's just really quick. But did you notice God took Abraham from a place where he was serving other gods? Abraham was an idol worshiper. He's this dude that came out of his his family with, I mean, like, he's got little, like, wooden gods in his pockets. His God's like, hey, man, we're going to go do this thing. He's like, yeah, I'm also rattling on these false gods. He's an idol worshiper. And so often we think, like, God uses the people that have got it all cleaned up. They're actually perfect Christians. And God's like, oh, you're awesome. Come and be used by me. That's what we do sometimes when we approach the Bible. We think, look, all these people have it together. But Abraham's a pagan. He's like, yeah, you're God, but also aren't these things in my pockets God? Aren't, aren't, isn't this statue God? He's imperfect. But God, in his grace, is calling Abraham to himself and calling him out to come be used by him. Because you see, people that live a life of faith don't have to have it all together. God is not looking for you to have to have it all together. Because again, we should be reminded, this story has way more to do with God than it has to do with Abraham. And way more to do with God than it has to do with us. 
The third thing we actually find in verse 1. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram. Abram was his name before God changed it. Now the Lord said to Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Jump down to verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. See, the third thing we find out about who God uses is God uses willing, obedient people. God uses willing, obedient people. I just think about this for a minute. Think about the faith Maybe even what you would think of as the craziness that it would take for him to actually do what God is asking. God's saying, hey, Abram, uh, I need you to leave your uh, family, your land, your wealth, your comfort, and everything that you know that is familiar to you. And uh, go to the land that I'll show you later. And verse 4 says, so Abraham went and took, his, took Lot and took Sarai and took some people with him. Like it was no big deal. Like it was like, okay, I'll just leave all this behind. You imagine the faith that that would take. Imagine the faith that it would take for Abraham at 75. I don't know what you're going to be doing at 75, but the last thing I think you're probably going to be doing is walking in the desert to follow God. You're just like, mm, the price is right at all, I think I'll just sit at home. I'm good. 75. He takes his wife with him, who's not a ton younger. It's like, come on, baby, we got this. They just go walking, looking for wherever God wants them to go because he hasn't even told them yet. But he's willing and he's obedient. So you see, God's not looking for people who have it all together. God's not looking for people that are special. He's looking for people that are ordinary, that are imperfect, but yet are willing to say, God, I want to be used by you. You see, so often... We're afraid to release that because we're afraid. What if God calls me to a land that, I, that he'll show me later? That seems terrifying. What if God calls me to a place that I don't want to go? You know what that's showing? That we have little trust in God's ability to do what is for our good and for his glory. When we start to question, what if God brings me to a place I don't want to go? That says a lot more about what we think about God than what we think about ourselves. What we're saying is, God, I don't think you actually know best. I don't think that you have my best in mind. I think I might know better. We ought to be people who are willing. Because this is a lot about what we think about God. Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see, this is so similar to Abram here in this moment. It's as if, it's as if God is saying to Abram, are you going to believe that what I have is better than what you have now? And so Abram goes and he's willing and he's obedient. The last thing we learn about who God uses in living this life of faith is that God uses people who trust him by faith, who trust God in Faith. Jump up to chapter 11, verse 30. Now Sarai, that's Abram's wife, was barren. She had no child. Jump down to verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Leave everything that you know. Verse 2. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. 
and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse pause. So up until now, Abram's probably like, all right, this seems pretty. This seems pretty great. God, you're going to bless me. You're going to make my name great. That's all awesome. I'm down with that. That seems great. And then God finishes the promises. The end of verse three. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, what God says to Abram is this promise. I'm going to give you a kid. And I'm going to give you descendants. And through you, the nations of the world are going to be blessed. But did you remember what we read in verse 30? Sarai, his wife, was barren. So can you imagine what Abraham is thinking at this moment? Okay, God, you're going to make my name great. You're going to take me to this land. You're going to make us a nation. Okay. And you're going to give me a kid. How's that going to happen, God? Homegirl can't have kids anymore. So what are we going to do? That's not what he does. He just goes. He says, all right. And in verse four, we see. So Abraham went and he trusted God in faith that God would do what he said he would do. That God is who he said he is. Because remember, this story has way more to do with God than it has to do with Abram. And so Abram goes out in faith, trusting God. I think that you are who you say you are and that you do what you say you will do. Friends, that's what faith looks like. So often we confuse, confuse ourselves and think, oh, faith is this blind thing. It's this uninformed, ignorant feeling that you have about God. Like, oh, there's a God there. I have faith. Faith is far more informed than that. Faith is far more informed than that. It is informed in the character of God. I have faith that God is who he says he is, that God will do what he says he will do. And Hebrews chapter 11 actually tells us what faith is. It's being sure of what we hope for, being certain of what we don't see. Not you're walking blind in the dark and uh, you better be right. It's far more certain than that. It's not just this cheap term. It's trust in a God who is trustworthy. You see, when we have faith, what it's actually displaying is that we trust a faithful God. That he is who he says he is. That he'll do what he said he will do. And that's where we find Abram in Genesis chapter 12. The second question that I want to ask and answer is this. Does living a life of faith come with a cost? Does living a life of faith come with a cost? Look back at verse. Look back at verse one of chapter 12. Now, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So does it cost Abram? Yep. It costs him his comfort. And it cost him his familiarity, it cost him his family, it cost him his inheritance. It, it may have cost him a, a bunch of livestock. It's likely that Abraham had it pretty sweet where he was. And God calls him out and says, go to the land that I'll show you. Leave your father, leave what you know. I mean, can you imagine that? God coming to you and says, hey, I want you to leave your family. 
I want you to leave the comfort of your own home. I want you to leave the town that you live in. I want you to leave the car behind that you drive. I want you to go to a place that nobody speaks your language, that does not look like you, that they don't eat like you eat. And I'll let you know when you're there. You're like, no thanks. And yet Abraham goes because he decides. It seems that he decides. Whatever I'm losing here, God, I'm gaining with you. Because again, to sound like a broken record, this story is way more about God than it is about Abram. Way more about God than it is about Abram. Well, the natural question that comes up then is, will it cost us? Will it cost us if we live by faith? Well, if it costs Abram, and Abraham is actually put forth as our example, certainly it's going to cost us. You see, some of you know this. Some of you have made decisions by faith, and it's cost you socially. Some of you have made decisions by faith, and it's cost you some kind of status. Man, you trusted God's way, and as a result, you didn't get noticed. Somebody else got the stage and the spotlight, but you didn't get noticed because you chose God's way, and it cost you. It might cost you friends. It might cost you the boyfriend or the girlfriend that you ought not be with because you're trusting God in faith. You see, living this life of faith might cost you, but I'm telling you, what you will gain in God is far greater than what you will have to give up. Far greater. We should echo the words of Paul that says, I considered all of this garbage for the sake of gaining Christ. I will lose everything that I have. I will lose everything that is to my name in order that I get Jesus. Oh, that we would be people. Oh, that we would be people who say, if I lose my social status, if I lose my spot on the team, if I lose my whatever and I get Jesus, it's worth it. Because friends, that's what it looks like to live by faith. To say, God, you're better than whatever it is that I have to gain out here if I don't live by faith. Am I saying that living by faith means you give up everything? No. No. Am I saying that living by faith might cost you stuff? Yes. There might be a day that it costs you. There might be a day that you decide, you know what? I'm going to give up what is culturally normal man people say you got to go to college maybe i'm gonna maybe i'm just gonna leave a year from high school to college and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go i'm gonna raise money and i'm gonna go i don't know where i'm gonna go but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on mission i'm gonna share the gospel as many people as i can go it will cost you culturally that's abnormal people will say you're not gonna go to school god but if god calls you that way you ought to go even if it's not culturally normal. And there's so many examples of this. We see Jesus even calls to this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man gain in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Did you catch what Jesus says? What's it, what's it going to profit you? What's it gonna, what are you going to gain? 
If you gain everything the world says is popular and best, and you lose your soul, and you lose what God thinks is actually best, it will gain you nothing. You will actually pay more. You'll actually pay more. So let's be people who are willing to give up anything for the sake of following God. So last question, last question. So we've asked, what does it look like to live by faith? We asked, what does it cost? Or who does God use? What does it cost? And the last question, what is God doing? What is God doing here in Genesis chapter 12? What is God doing here in Genesis chapter 12? Look back at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram went to the land as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So what is God doing here? God says to Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. Okay, we don't use terms like that. When we think about what God's doing, we don't think about God making us a great nation. Here's what's going to happen. That out of Abraham will come the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God, whom God will use, whom God will use in a certain time in history to bring about the redemption of all things. God will use Abraham to bring about those descendants. He says, I'm going to make your name great. That everybody's going to know the name of Abraham because of what I have done through you. And we see that is true. When we get into the New Testament, Abraham is celebrated as a hero of faith. We see Abraham mentioned in Romans. We see Abraham mentioned in the Gospels. We see Abraham mentioned in Galatians. We see Abraham mentioned in Hebrews. Constantly, he is put forth as this man of faith, this, this guy that God used to accomplish great things because God kept his promises. But finally, God makes one more promise. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God, how is it that you're going to bring that to pass? Like, okay, I can see you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna make me a nation. Great. I, we can see that. You're going you're to make my name great. We can even see that. But God, how are you going to keep your promises of making... In me, you're going to bless the nations, the world. God, how is it that you're going to do that? Well, check out Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. You see, God keeps his promise to through Abraham bless the nations because it's through the line of Abraham. That Jesus shows up. It's through the line of Abraham. That God provides redemption for the entire world. And through Abraham. The nations are blessed. Because this offering of salvation has come. That Jesus has come. Lived perfectly. Died our death. And risen from the dead. Offering life. Blessing to the world. 
Just like God said he would. Just like God said he would. You see, because we've got to remember, what's been happening here has way more to do with God than it has to do with Abram. God's using Abram to accomplish unbelievable things. It's unbelievable. But let's, let's remember this. If you could grab this, it would be most helpful. When we live by faith, we get to be a part of the story that God is unfolding. When we live by faith, we get to be a part of the story that God is unfolding. And sometimes in that story, we get to see the fruit that God is bearing. And other times in that story, we have no clue what God is doing. That God will bear fruit years down the road. But when we live by faith, we get to enter into God's story where God is accomplishing things that are so far beyond our sight. You see, you have no idea. You have no idea who you might impact years, decades centuries down the road as you live by faith did abraham know in that moment okay so when god said he's going to bless the nations obviously the messiah is going to come through me i'm the man no he couldn't have known in that moment oh you're obviously talking about the salvation of the rest of the world god and yet he was obedient and yet he was faithful And he got to enter into God's story and God used him for his glory. And really God accomplished more than Abraham ever bargained for. Because it was through Abraham that blessing to the nations came. Jesus showed up through the line of Abraham. And God brought redemption. So when, let's be people. Let's be people who live lives of great faith. Not blind, uninformed, ignorant steps of, oh, I'm just going to follow you because that's what somebody told me. But confident hope and trust in a God who has revealed himself in Jesus. Confident hope and trust in a God who he is who he says he is and he'll do what he said he'll do. Let's model, let's model Abraham this way. To know that God doesn't use perfect people. God doesn't use extraordinary people only. God uses willing people. And people who have great faith. Willing to trust him. That he is who he says he is. That he'll do what he says he'll do. That people who understand. This has way more to do with God than it has to do with me. If we could grab that. It would change our lives. It would change the way we live in our schools. Let's be people of great faith.